Um, if y'all don't know, I'm Robert. Uh, I've been part of the community for a while, and every opportunity, every once in a while, I get the opportunity to uh, give Kevin a rest and get up here. And so, if you are visiting, um, or even if you're regular, and the thing I often say, if you're like, "Who's this guy?" I don't do it that often, but if you're like, "Hey, who's this guy?" I do it here and there. Um, so it's kind of a win-win for wherever you are on that spectrum this morning. So. Um, one caveat I do need to say, though, I don't know if any of y'all have fallen in the hole of Disney's Encanto um, the past few weeks since it's been on Disney+, Plus, and Lin-Manuel Miranda's very addictive music. If I randomly yell out, we don't talk about Bruno, it is not my fault. It is Lin's fault. So email him, um, and it'll be okay. So what we do here, just if you're visiting, or just a reminder, we normally preach through books of the Bible. Um, so we'll start one go all the way through it. We just finished one recently, and kind of in this time here in the new year, uh, we will um, often revisit things or if there's something that we need to talk about, and one of those things that we do regularly um, is either revisit our, all of ours or a specific one of our core values, and so that's what we're going to do when we gather, this, um, gather here together this morning is we're going to talk about our specific core value of mission. Um, if you've been around this past year, you know that's been an emphasis. We've spoke a lot about it, um, brought it up a lot as far as, hey, this is one of our core values. What does that mean? What does that look like? And we're going to dive into that this morning. And so before we get going, I'm going to pray for us, and we will we'll dive in. Uh, Lord, we give you thanks to gather together as a community. Um, what a gift it is. Um, we pray for those who are unable to be with us um, for a variety of different reasons this morning. Uh, we're thankful for this space. Uh, Lord, we just pray that protection of this space because we know how valuable it is to be able to gather together, um, to be able to be present with one another. And we also know so many things we're dealing with right now and the risks of that. And so I just pray for us um, and just pray for this time together that it would be a time that's glorifying and honoring to you uh, and that this would be, this, this next bit would be, um, would be helpful and that what is helpful would be able to stick if things are unhelpful, um, that they would fall away. And so um, be with us as we walk through this topic this morning. In your name, amen. So mission, um, just a little, you talked a little bit about how we've been focusing on that. It's one of our core values. Gospel and community are the other two that make up our three core values and mission. And just want to start a little bit at the beginning here of this idea of our focus on mission and challenges with mission. Uh, I found it funny when Kevin asked if I wanted to do this, uh, because I'm just going to be very blunt and honest with y'all. I go from very skeptical to even sometimes against the idea um, and that, that, that varies from very valid reasons. I could give you paper after paper and story after story for context. Um, for those who don't know, I've spent the last eight to ten years in some form of ministry. I recently switched jobs uh, eight or so months ago already, which is crazy to me um, that that's happened. And so there's a lot of things to critique about how mission has been done or the focus of mission or it, the dynamics within that completely valid. Now, here's the thing that happens sometimes when you have valid critiques of stuff, you excuse your selfish critiques of things. You're like, hey, I have valid reasons to be against this, so I'm not going to actually examine the selfish reasons I'm against this. And the reality is, is there's those two. I have selfish reasons against this. I really have a struggle with new people. I just, I don't like, and it's funny for people who know me well, they're like, he seriously does not stop talking once you get him going. But it takes a long time to get there. Um, I, will literally, I will talk to you about anything if I have the opportunity to and examine and learn from you and with you about that. But I struggle with that. I'm like, yeah, 
I also struggle with baggage. I'm like, I know people's stories. I know like what there is. I don't want to be that person. And I, I want to be like, I'm not that person. And then sometimes in doing that, you realize like, actually, maybe I am that person. <laughs> and so there are valid reasons and selfish reasons that I struggle with mission. And so now what better opportunity and what a great gift of the life of the church is when you struggle with things, when you're frustrated with things, when you don't know about things, when it's on that whole spectrum, why don't you actually dive in in community and explore that? And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, we're going to look at this idea of mission and what does it actually have for us. So our plan is this morning is where does this call to mission come from? Um, some awarenesses and reminders as we approach mission and some then encouragement as we're sent out on mission. So just to kick off this idea of mission, now I need to confess to you, um, I'm a pop culture nerd. I love everything about pop culture. I love how we, how it intersects in, how it, we learn about ourselves. And so when I actually hear mission and I hear about God's mission, the first thing I do not think of is anything theological or scripture. I think of Jake and Elwood Blues from the Blues Brothers, who for two hours of amazing comedy are on a mission from God to bring the band back together and fund their school and the convent. So just, just to be aware here, <laughs> this is where I'm kind of teetering back and forth this morning. But for our purposes within it, anytime you're in a theological context, a lot of times that what's going to happen if you start talking about mission or God's mission, you're going to hear this fancy term, missio dei. And what that really just simply means is the mission of God or the sending of God. So this idea that God has a mission and that there is sending involved in that. So this idea of sending and mission are inseparable. They go together. So there's this mission and there's this sending that happens. So as we talk about this core value of mission, what it means for us, we should be thinking not that there's just a mission, but we are sent on something. Sent and mission go together in this notion of mission and this idea of God's mission. But then that leaves us to the question like, so on mission for what and sent by who? There's a mission. What's it for? Who sends us within that? And so that's when we dive into scripture and figure out what that is. And so uh, as I talked about earlier, normally we're in a specific text through a whole time and we're going through that. We're going to jump around a little bit today to focus on this mission, but we'll primarily be in the Gospels um, specifically Matthew and Mark to just kick off here, and with a, a popular text um, within Scripture of the Great Commission. And just a little um, point on that, for some of y'all, if y'all been around the church for a while, you're like, oh, the Great Commission, we've done that, we've been there multiple times. Uh, unfamiliar people, you're like, wait, what is this? What's going on? Wherever you find yourself in the spectrum, um, if you think you've been around here for a long time and you think I'm just calling it in by choosing the Great Commission as a foundation, or you're like, what is this? I just want to invite y'all to engage um, with this text. And so I want to look at two different, um, two different pieces of it and then pull some stuff out with this survey before we get into the, the middle part of what we want to do today. So the first one I'm going to look at is Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Gospel of Matthew says this, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." And then we get short and sweet Mark, who just is amazingly blunt and straightforward in his minimal 16 chapters of the gospel. 
And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. And so I want to pick out a couple things um, from this, these two texts of the Great Commission, um, talk about them a little bit, and then talk about then what does it mean for us here to be on mission, and what are some awarenesses that we should have. So um, four things that stick out to me as I look through these texts, out of the many things you could pull out of it, is we begin with this notion that it is given to me, given to Jesus. That Jesus, as he even sends people out, says, hey, this starts with me. This is about me. This is about Jesus. As we are sent out on mission, it is about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And Jesus has been given everything that we need to empower and equip us on this. And so it starts with Jesus, given to Jesus, and then he sends us out. And we'll talk a little bit about that more in a little bit. The next thing here is this idea of go therefore into. When you look at both Matthew and Mark, there's this demand to go therefore, and then Mark puts it with like go into. So go therefore and go into. And one of the things that when you look at this, when you dive into these texts, you realize that it's not just like go to a destination. That might be it, and that's all well and good and perfectly fine, but it's this idea of like as you go. As you are going, you are being sent out as you go, wherever you are going, the, the, there might be a destination, there might be multiple dis- destinations, you might be called out somewhere, but what we, are being proclaim- what we are being sent out to is this notion of that as you go. And one of the things that I want to talk about, and I want to I say one thing here, because in about two minutes you might be like, he said that, and I'm going to tell you right now, I did not say that. In the next three minutes, you will not hear that overseas mission is not important. It is essential. It is a call. People are called into it. With the notion of as you go, local missions is also a call. It's essential. The whole spectrum is something that we can be called into and that we are called into. But I really want to hit on this notion of as you go. One of the, one of the dynamics that really struck me when I was in seminary is um, the seminary that I went to, the denomination that it's a part of, has massive presence uh, in variety of parts of the world. And I had a lot of classmates from places, uh, whether it's Ethiopia or Uganda. And so many times, professors would be like, so when you go back, what are you going to do? And he's like, no, we were actually sent here to come evangelize to you. We're staying. Why do you always assume that it's we who need the gospel and not you? We all need the gospel. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for missionaries that came and talked to us. So amen and absolutely, but just so you know, that is not an excuse to care for the people that are down the street from you. We are not your way out, and I will never remember that. He's like, we are not your way out of caring for your neighbor. Whether that's being sent here, or whether that's sending a paycheck to fund an organization, even as we just talked about, do organizations need money to run? Absolutely. Am I critiquing you giving to an organization? No. It is not a way out of this as-you-go call. Am I so happy from the people that I've learned from about the value of overseas ministry? Absolutely. Go. Answer that call. That is missions. Every meal here, that is missions. Coaching, that is missions. Just being present in your community is missions. It is a holistic call to say, hey, go therefore, go into as-you-go the same classmate was like, do you ever wonder about the conditions of your community? Like, why? Just stop assuming you're good. Just stop assuming everything's okay because you're in this privileged context. It's not. 
When we started doing every meal, I had some relationship with that organization before even being part of Center Church with the founders of it. St. Paul, Minneapolis, Fridley are all 85 to 90 percent plus food insecurity of their student body. And now we're going online again starting, you know, and like there is need, and that's not the only need. I, I, there, was, there was one year that one of my kids had multiple classmates that were in hotel rooms for the entire school year. And jumping between places, local missions is important. World missions is important. Everything in between is important. So when we hear go, therefore, as, go into, we got to be thinking of this as you go. Amazing, awesome, wherever you are called, it is a holistic call to mission. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes historically, we can just say, hey, we're good here. We don't need this. But we do. We all need this. And so I just want to give that encouragement as we think about mission. You know, it might not be as exotic. It might not be as um, like, oh, that would be super cool. But all of this, wherever you are called to, is missions. And so to be encouraged by that, to be challenged by that, to think if there's only a one-dimension notion of mission, there is not. And then also, if you are someone who's super critical of something like I am, like, open yourself up to being like, no, this is actually needed. (laughs) Uh, I have a lot of reasons to be critical of things that aren't local, and then I'm like, wait a minute, wow, look at all this that's happening. Like, I need, like, this isn't just a challenge to y'all. I want to open myself up to that same challenge. And so I hope you are hearing in this, this inclusive, holistic, go therefore into within it, that missions overseas, local, it is what we are called to do here in the Great Commission. Make disciples and proclaim, and I, I love this intersection here of not only just proclaim the gospel, but make disciples. Not only focus on those who are already following Jesus, but also proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel to those who are, I, I don't know about y'all, but I need reminders all the time. It doesn't matter that I probably have only missed a few Sundays in the past couple of years. I'm not now, I'm not now not needing to hear the gospel, right? So don't just focus on making disciples. Absolutely focus on making disciples. Don't just focus on proclaiming the gospel and absolutely proclaim the gospel. And so there's this holistic intersection that we have to be forming and shaping people in who Jesus is. And this is what I love also about this text. It's not just make disciples of people that we like. It's not just make disciples to be, for people to be like us. And we'll talk about this more in a little bit. It is make the disciples in who Jesus is. Proclaim the gospel in who Jesus is here as we see and look at these proclamations of the Great Commission. In this last piece here, we, talk, we started here at the beginning with this idea that this is given to me in Jesus. This is given to Jesus, all authority in heaven. We are, you are being sent out in Jesus. And Jesus wraps it up reminding that he is with you always till the end of the age. Not only begins with Jesus, but it ends with Jesus. It is this bookend here in this Great Commission that everything that happens between is happening rooted in Jesus, being sent out by Jesus, being sustained by Jesus, being encouraged by Jesus to do that. And so that's just a little brief survey here of this text that, um, this idea of mission to push us into some things, especially since what we want to focus on here is not only just this foundation, but what comes out of this foundation. And so some awarenesses for us as we think about mission, as we approach mission, as we go about mission, as we talked a little bit here just now, something that I again want to remind us of, it is not about us. It's about Jesus. So you can hear that, like, hey, it's not about us, it's about Jesus and the Great Commission. Now, what does this look like when we actually play it out? Like, hey, it's not about us. 
in the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Not teaching them to observe all that we think about cultural norms, all that we think about how society should function, but all that Jesus has commanded you. To be able to be continuously pushed as we teach, as we form, as we proclaim, what is Jesus saying about this? What is Jesus' focus here? In too many ways, we make it about us. I could list a ton about, but two I want to touch on briefly is this notion of be like us instead of be like Jesus. We can so easily fall into the trap that like, hey, come, come to church, come learn about Jesus, and really what we're wanting to do is we're wanting them to assimilate to our cultural norms, our societal norms that have nothing to do with the gospel, but the comfort that we have, whether it's dress like us, act like us, speak like us, um, be able to blend in to be able to lose part of who you are because you're going to then adhere to this dominant culture. And so what happens oftentimes is we actually want to dominate people. We don't want to serve people. We don't want to form people. At the end of uh, 2021, we lost a cultural giant in the world of literary and social critique and the individual of Bell Hooks. And when I first came across Bell Hooks in undergrad, one of her quotes that I, I, if you know me well enough, you know I'm not actually lying about this. Probably think about every other day at one point or another, um, for good and bad. Uh, she writes that I want to be in a place, in a world, where people can engage in one another's differences in a way that is redemptive, full of hope and possibility. Not this, in order to love you, I must make you something else. That's what domination is all about. That in order to be close to you, I must possess you, remake you, and recast you. Similarly, the theologian um, who's been gone from us for a while, Richard Twist, who was a Native American theologian um, uh, and would interact with some of my former professors at Bethel, he came to speak a couple times. In his book, Rescuing the Gospel from the Cowboys, he talks about when missionaries would come to the reservations and do the bowl cuts on all the kids while they were staring at a picture of long-haired Jesus and how confusing that was him as a kid, like, wait, to do this, I got to do this, but yet this guy that you have up here on this picture has really long, nice hair. What, is this actually about Jesus, or is this about this way of life, this, this idea of what we say is normative within that? And so as we think about awarenesses and reminders as we approach mission, we need to evaluate the ways that we're making it about us. We're making it about our norms that might not have anything to do at all with Jesus. So we need to ask these questions. We need to be aware of it. And these stories are not stories from some long off ago. These are things we continuously need to be awareness. I remember my intern supervisor telling me, uh, primarily spent a lot of his life in Hawaii as Okinawan. Uh, his family, his family of origin still back, back home. He's now in his 70s. Um, but he was talking about how when he was actually trying to find a pastorate job, he came aground pushback because people were still being like, there is so much connection in people's prejudice from Pearl Harbor still, where he was, that they were just like, no, you represent this. He's like, this is not, I do not like represent this. And the invitations and the demand and the expectation that he had to assimilate to a culture that was not his just to be able to do that is not the gospel. It's not Jesus. Letting him be who he is and celebrating his culture and heritage within that is a much better, much better path that leads us to hope and lead us to redemption. So we have to realize how we're making about us, how we're making about our norms and our society. 
Um, one other thing that I want to talk about, how we make it us, and this is where I'm going to tiptoe into it for the next couple minutes, because we have to address it. We have to talk about the different dynamics of what are the mission implications of these past few years and how we've navigated everything we've been dealing with with the pandemic. I'm not going to put forward, this is how you deal, need to deal with it, this is how you need to de deal with it. Um, but one of the things that happened uh, a few months ago at work is we had, to, we had to put our mask signs back up. And we were really being very casual about it. And now in the last couple of weeks, we've actually started bringing them to people as they walk in within it. A lot of people have been really great. Um, and I just, this, this is a true story. Just happened this last week. This is, so sometimes sermon illustrations do that. There's a guy that came in, had a Bible verse shirt on, and he just, he didn't want to do it. And we were really nice with it. And one of the things that I had to do, I had to explain to him, I'm like, I don't, I'm not telling you that you have to be affirming of this or you have to believe this, you're excited about this. But I just want to encourage you to let you think, to let you know that if any of us are positive, they're shutting down the store for a week. So I would like you to think about us and that. I'd like you to think about the implications of us not coming to work. I like you think about the implications on then you not being here because I know you, you've been here before, you're going to be mad at me if we're not open. And it's not going to be solely your fault, I get that. But this request isn't about you. So many of the things that we've been asked to do, I'm not saying all of them, so many of the things that we've been asked to do have absolutely nothing to do with us. It's about caring for those that are around us. And so when we think about pressing into the gospel here, about being sacrificial, about being loving, we have to think about then what does that mean? You at least have to ask the question of what does that mean in these instances. If your evangelism strategy, if your focus, and not just in this area, that's the last, oh, actually the last thing I was going to say about that. I went to the back room, told the story. I left out the part about the shirt he was wearing. My manager added it in, and three of my coworkers right there said, of course, that's the most predictable thing that I've experienced in the last two years. How we respond to what we're going through has missions implications. You can do it how you want. So if our evangelism strategy, not just with the pandemic, but with anything, is more about what you're against than what you are for, it is probably not bringing people to Jesus. Let's evaluate. And in light of that, the other thing I want to touch on is we get it wrong. We are people, we are humans, we have made mission mistakes. Not only individually, but as a collective church. That's why when John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus, he says believe, and he also uses another great word called repent. These awarenesses of mistakes, he's turning away to let the gospel impact us. It's not that you're never going to make a mistake. It's not that you as a community or system are never going to make a mistake. It's how we respond to those mistakes. All the way up to Jesus at the end of his life. He has been with these disciples for a long time. He has told them time and time again. Jesus is getting arrested here. He's already told them, like, hey, this is, you know, these are things that are happening. This is what to expect, right? But we know the disciples, the disciples make a lot of mistakes. And yet somehow we don't think we make mistakes. These are the people who sat at the feet of Jesus, right? And so Jesus is coming and getting arrested. Matthew 26, 50. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to them, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take the sword will perish by the sword. All the way up to the end, 
Another version of this in the other Gospels has Jesus healing the ear within that. We make mistakes. We don't get it. Repentance is a good thing. We need to be aware of our history. We don't need to be shamed and have it always thrown in our face consistently. We need to be aware of our history. We need to grow and learn from our history and repent where repentance is needed. A unique challenge about this era of ministry is there are many people, there are large whole groups of people that we are seeking to share about Jesus that are not Christians because of Christians in the church. There's a large demographic in their late 20s to low 40s and many others that this is not a new message to them. This is not a new story to them, and we need to be aware of that as we approach them. Why is that? What happened? And this, if you actually, well, I want you to actually hear the part in the gospel accusation about Jesus more than anything else. But this is the second thing, if you zone out for the entirety, that I want to hear. Before we accuse people of why they aren't Christians or why they've walked away from the church, we need to evaluate ourselves and our church. It needs to start with us. Don't say, oh, you were just too soft, or oh, that was a bad experience. Hear their story. Listen to their story. We have seen it these past five, six, seven, ten years. More and more stories coming out of abuse after abuse. And what, what blows my mind is a way that we want to protect. We want to protect so bad. There's no freedom in protecting. <laughs> Repentance brings freedom. It lets the gospel in. It lets Jesus do his work. And so before we accuse them, we should examine ourselves in the communities. And there was a publication that puts out many great things that was just blown away by. They just had publication after publication attacking these pastors and bloggers who, would they, who they themselves would identify in a progressive community. While through that entire year, multiple people on their writing staff and leadership staff were under abuse allegations whether spiritual or sexual or physical. We got to clean up our own houses. We got to examine our own houses. We got to evaluate our own houses. We got to show people that we're willing to do the work. That speaks volumes. It's life. To be able to hear that, to be able to name that. There's a conversation that's been so popular in this last year, and depending on your ability, depending on your online presence, you, this is probably the spectrum of how much you know about it. So if you don't know about it, I actually might want to say God bless you. And if you know about it, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say because it's frustrating. Um, there's, this, there's such this focus on deconstruction and evangelicals, and there's many things to critique, just like overseas missions. I want you to hear me say right now, there are many things to critique about deconstruction, and people who are walking away from the church in a variety of ways. There are things to critique. Absolutely. Unfortunately, a lot of the popular things that are happening aren't in that category. What happens so often is people want to ask hard questions. People are challenged by things that they're experiencing in the world. Things are challenged by people that they're seeing on the news as they watch um, a reckoning with racial reconciliation, why they watch a reckoning with what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be male or female? What does it mean for sexuality? What does it mean for all of these things? If you have hard questions and you're someone, if you're being approached with hard questions, the, the, the most helpful mission objective is not to kick them out of the church. The most helpful mission objective is not to say there's not a place here for this. Now, I am very aware that there are people who leave the church for their own selfish endeavors. You will never hear me say no one has left the faith because of selfish endeavors. I get it. It happens. 
I can also give you a massive long list of people who are leaving the church, and not just people I know from social media, people in my real life, people in my ministry lives, my classmates, and those, because they've continuously been shunned out. There's not a space for that question. And here's the thing about hard questions, is there will always be people who are willing to answer them. There will always be people who are willing to open the door. I had a former student who was fired from his internship um, because, of, because of a variety of things around um, outside of what their policies were on a few things. And then he had a rough next few years, made some really poor decisions within that. And the amount of people who said, see, that's affirmation that those things that he was pressing into are problematic or wrong. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually a little concerned that it's affirmation that y'all showed him the door to that. Now, do I know if this student would have left eventually anyway? I don't know. But I know he was never given the chance to keep showing up and actually have people walk through those life and societal questions with him about how they impact his life. We have to do this. Um, recently, um, for those who know, I have a, quite an affinity with musicals. I'm a big fan of them. I appreciate them in a lot. Um, there's one that is a, a film adaptation just got put on Netflix, Tick, Tick, Boom. And about a composer and artist that I really appreciate a lot of his work. And in the seminal part of it, there's this, there's this lyric that comes up. And when, when Jonathan Larson was writing, he was writing in the height of the AIDS crisis. He was watching a lot of his friends die um, and get sick. And so I know I'm taking a little bit out of the context, but Jonathan took a lot of things out of context too, so I think he'll forgive me uh, on this. But there's this line that comes up in that, if we don't wake up and shake up the nation, we'll eat the dust of the world wondering why. And I, I don't know, every week, every week, that keeps coming up to me as I hear that. And I, think, I, I really think that's a call for the church right now. If we don't realize a lot of the things that we have done to ourselves as a collective church, and we don't start addressing those and make awareness to those, I, I, I don't know if we can be surprised when so many people are leaving and so many people are angsty about it. And so I want us to be able to examine ourselves and our communities. Maybe you'll do that work and you'll be like, no, this was actually justified and convicted. So at least do the work. At least do the work within that. So we get it wrong. We get it wrong sometimes. We aren't sent into the world to hide from the world. Like Jesus does not send us out into the world. So as we're thinking about awarenesses, as we approach a mission, as we are sent out as a church collectively and in a, in a Individually, Jesus does not send us out into the world to hide from it. Paul, even using his culture around him, so Paul and Acts here, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I pass along and observe the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription, To the, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. It's such a great example of just being aware and paying attention to and engaging with your culture. To have these inroads, these opportunities to be able to, hey, let me tell you about this. Um, so, there's, there, uh, there's obviously things that I'd be very excited for my kids not to watch. I'm not talking about that. There are awarenesses, there's boundaries, there's good things, there's bad things. But, cult, but God's going to show up where God wants to show up time and time again. 
listens to the stories that culture is telling. There is a reason that almost every blockbuster for the last three years right now is a dystopian hellscape. One of my students, I teach a class every other year on theology and pop culture, and one of my students is like, why are all the movies so sad these days? There's stories that are being told. There is longing that is being communicated. And people are finding what we are supposed to be offering in so many other places. The main area of academics that I spend my time in now, more than a few years, is fan studies and pop culture studies. And it's just so fascinating to see these fan communities, these fan communities that care for one another, that form one another, that shape one another, that, that in many ways actually minister to one another, but there's still so much longing embedded to that. They keep hitting another rope, another barrier, and it's like, oh, this isn't quite the answer. This is something. And so engage in culture. Hear those stories. Learn from those stories. See where God is working and moving in those stories. And then finally, these awarenesses and reminders as we approach mission, as we think about this foundation and the Great Commission, is we don't go it alone. We are such, you know, we we hear a lot about how individualistic of a society we have, and that's why it's so important to be part of a church. But our church, I'm not talking about necessarily center church, I'm just talking church. Our church and our culture and our society focuses so individualistically. It's about your salvation, it's about your sin. And those are true. We are sinful people, and we need to be saved here, and we are saved through Jesus, but we're also a collective community. So we don't go it alone. And first and foremost, as we saw in the Great Commission, we don't go it alone because Jesus. Jesus ends his Great Commission with, and behold, you, I am with, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Not just sometimes, not just here and there, always with you to the end of the age. So we do not go this alone In mission, it is firmly rooted in Jesus, a presence that we have the opportunity to consistently have with us individually and collectively. We don't go it alone because of the Holy Spirit. At the end of Luke, when when Luke's wrapping up his account of the gospel, when he's sending out, says, And behold, I am sending the promises of my Father upon you, but stay until the city till you are clothed with power from on high. And if you continue on, for those of you who don't know, Luke and Acts can be read as back-to-back books here. And Luke continues the story in Acts. And there is the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. They wait there. They get equipped. They get empowered. It's a great invitation. We don't like to always talk about the Holy Spirit that much. I was really terrified of the Holy Spirit as a kid because I was part of one of those statistical, very abusive youth group communities, which then breeds into my angst with that. And then, because God is ridiculous and funny, I went on staff on a key leadership position at a charismatic seminary, which is absolutely hysterical in every possible way, and was very formative at the time, but I was blown away, blown away. It's like, hey, I think we should do this. Everyone's like, let's stop and pray right now. It's like, okay, that's not what I meant. Let's do that. It was a staff that was like, hey, like, could you pray for me? They'll be like, okay, and they'll start right there. It's like, that's not what I meant. This is the very passive, like, Christian thing. Like, I just want to communicate I need prayer. I don't actually expect you to pray for me because we just say that, right? Like, I'll pray for you. Three weeks later, we see the person. We're like, oh, crap, I didn't pray for them. This team literally would be like, hey, I need prayer about this. All right, everything stops right there. And it's like, what's happening here? And there's other things that's like, that's, this is weird and uncomfortable. But it was so affirming and edifying. It was like, yes, let's pray. Like, should we be doing this? What about this? Let's stop and pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. Let's guide, be formed. Let's pray through this week. Let's be prompted this week throughout this. And so we don't go it alone. 
firmly rooted in Jesus. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, the guide. And then for us here right now in this, this physical manifestation that I have, we don't go it alone because we have the church. That's why the church is so important. That's why when you're angsty about something, are you mad about anything that I'm saying, we can talk about it. We can be in community together. You have the church in Ephesians, it writes, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped with each part's working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Obviously, foundationally, to do any of this, we need Jesus. And then Jesus gives us the church and that working together to be able to actually press into this work together. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. doesn't mean it's always going to be fun. But to be able to actually open ourselves up to one another, to be pushed out. And sometimes when we think about mission, we only think about everyone out there and we don't realize that we are sent from something. We are sent by Jesus and we are in the church and we are together in this. If you have an idea for mission or you have a concern or you have a family or you have something that you're praying about, bring it in. Talk to people in church about it. Ask them to join you in prayer. Ask them to go with you. Unless it's really, really cold, then please pick somebody else. But I still will go with you because now I'm talking about this, right? So we have a church community to encourage us, to edify us, to challenge us, to call us out, to be able to press us on, to be able to accompany us, that is to do this good work. So we don't go it alone. So as we ramp up, just some encouragement as we are sent out on mission, as we think about this idea of mission, and just um, want to go into that gospel application, as we think about not stuff that we do, but that, that is laid for us to be able to be transformed and moved into. And this is the first reminder. When we talk about mission, um, we don't save anybody. Jesus saves. Jesus sends us out. All power and authority in heaven has been given on Jesus. He sends us out. We don't do the saving. Jesus sends us out. We make disciples and we proclaim. There is not a scorecard here. I volunteered for a missions organization once with youth outreach, and at the end of every gathering, how many cards did you get? How many cards did you get? It was literally the most stressful 10 minutes of my life. I'm like, I don't know. I had some really good connections. I had some really good conversations that I'm hoping are going to plant seeds and take root, but I didn't get a yes. They're like, well, then that wasn't it. I'm like, but I think that's it. And then the other side can flip. When you start getting a lot of yeses, you think you're somehow some superhero Christian. But then one of the things that, you know, will always be reminded you, there's a group that I got all these yeses from, and then like three weeks in a row, they were all caught doing really bad things consistently all over the end. And it was like, this is a process. We make disciples, we claim the gospel rooted in Jesus, and Jesus saves. Those seeds get planted you don't have to be the one who waters. Other people might water. You might not even ever see the result of it. But that work is in process, and it's Jesus that saves. As we've seen throughout each of these sections, that Jesus is with you. He continuously promises. Not only the Great Commission, but everywhere else. This notion of like, hey, you're going to have trouble. Things are going to be hard, but I've overcome the world. Great Commission, I'm with you time and time again. The disciples are stupid day after day, and he's still with them. Jesus is with us, and Jesus gave us the church. Let's use it. Let's be present with it. Let's be, this has been such a good reminder, not just even for mission, but just even in these last few weeks, like, it's like, y'all were here during the Summer Ask Anything series, like, I have a massively long trouble, struggle with depression. 
And like, there's a handful of you that have been on some texts over the last few months that was just like, hey, this is like, let's do something. Let's hang out. Let's, you know, or I just need encouragement to go do this thing. Like Jesus gave us the church. Use the church. Be encouraged by the church. Be formed by the church. Show up to the church when you don't want to show up to the church. <laughs> show up to church when you want to say church. Show up to church. Just be able to come and be part of a community that is just going to then send us out rooted in it. So Jesus saves. Jesus is with you. Jesus gave us the church. 